Good day, PT. What a wonderful opportunity this is for me today to join you for this special occasion, the 26th pastoral anniversary of Bishop Green and Lady Carmen. Thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to share with you and uh, to be able to speak into your lives and the lives of the church. I know God has given me something for you today, and I'm just honored beyond honor to be able to share this occasion with all of you. You are a wonderful congregation, and of course, a Bishop and Lady Carmen are dear, dear friends of ours. So again, thank you for the opportunity. Before we get started today, let's just pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be with this congregation today and these pastors to share the celebration of 26 years pastoring this church. Thank you, Lord, for their lives. Thank you for all they represent. And Father, I pray today that this congregation has ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what the word of God and the spirit of God would say to them today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to start with a little story today. Coach Herb Brooks had a dream. It was an impossible dream to beat the Soviets at their own game of hockey. He handpicked a group of 26 undisciplined college hockey players from across the country. He brought them together, and out of those 26, he chose 20 of them to help him achieve the unachievable. This is a true story, and it's told in the Walt Disney movie called Miracle. I'm not big on movies, but this is one that I highly, highly recommend. It's the story of the U.S. Olympic hockey team winning the 1980 gold medal against the Soviets. Let me just give you a little bit of context here. The Soviets had won 21 straight games. They had not lost an Olympic game since 1968, and they were the best team in the whole world. Before their great win, they were in a 3-3 tie with Norway. Coach Brooks is upset because it's a game they should have won, except the team was getting cocky. They were getting sloppy. They were getting familiar with each other, disrespectful. They had let down their guard, and they weren't practicing like they normally did. They became very casual about this game. And after that tie game with Norway, the coach makes a decision that's just going to rock all their worlds. These guys are ready to go. They wanted the games over. They've played hockey for three hours. They were in a tie, and unfortunately, it was good enough for them. They were ready to go. They wanted to go partying but not their coach. He made them all stay, and he made them skate back and forth in that rink. And I don't know if you're aware, but a hockey rink is 200 feet long. And after three hours of playing hockey, they were pretty spent physically already. But now he has them going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth multiple times. Well, by now their legs are like rubber. They can hardly stand up. They're falling all over the place, but he doesn't give up. He just 
keeps yelling and bellowing through that hockey ring again. So they pick themselves up and they're racing back and forth and back and forth. At one point, the assistant coach is so concerned about the health of these young boys that he approaches Coach Brooks and asks him to stop But Coach Brooks doesn't have an ear to it. And again, he bellows again and again more. So they continue to go up and down the rink. They're falling on their faces. They're vomiting from such exertion. Now the team doctor goes to Coach Brooks and begs him to stop But not Coach Brooks. His ears and his eyes got one thing in mind, and that's those kids skating. And so they continue to skate back and forth, back and forth. Now they're in the wee hours of the morning, and the maintenance at the uh, hockey rink shuts all the lights. So they all gasp a sigh of relief, thinking this is it, we, we can go now. But not for Coach Herb Brooks. He has them going back and forth, back and forth for hours. Finally, after what it seemed like an eternity of skating, these young men are laid out flat all over the ice. And he stands over them and he bellows out this statement. And he says to them, you can't be a team of common men Because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. And with that attitude, that team picked themselves up and realized they weren't on a common assignment, but they were on an uncommon assignment. And once they got themselves together and focused on what they were there to do, they won the 1980 World Olympics. I love that story. And I like to say it this way, common people cannot do uncommon things. The word common means general, ordinary, mediocre, inferior, usual, or familiar. General, ordinary, mediocre, inferior, usual, familiar. Well, who wants to be that? Who wants to live a general life? Who wants to live an ordinary life? Who wants to be known as being mediocre or being inferior or usual or familiar? Uncommon means rare, unusual, extraordinary, exceptional, and remarkable. That's uncommon. And those are the things God has called us to do. Things that are rare, unusual, extraordinary, exceptional, and remarkable. And I'm here to tell you today and to remind you, there is nothing common about Bishop Green and Lady Carmen. They are uncommon people. They are rare. They're unusual. They're extraordinary. They're exceptional. And they're remarkable people. And you are a remarkable congregation. I asked Bishop to share with me some of the things that have gone on in his 26 years there. And he was very hesitant to do so, but I pressed a little bit and got a little bit of information from him because for him and for all of us, anything we do or anything we accomplish is only by the grace of God. It's not in ourselves. It's only by the grace of God. But he shared with me a couple of things and I want to remind you of them. 
since 1995. In 1997, the first in the city of Cambridge PT was to start a basketball league in Clement Morgan Park, which you know as Needle Park. In 2000, uh, 6 a.m. morning prayer began Monday through Saturday, and it still occurs now, even through the pandemic. In 2001, due to growth, added an 8.30 service to the 11 a.m. service. In 2005, he was consecrated to the Office of International Bishop of the United Pentecostal Council of the Assemblies of God, first bishop to be consecrated in 24 years. In 2010, due to growth, started a third service at 2 p.m. In 2012, you purchased an administrative building at 345 Washington Street. And in 2013, remarkable, he was sworn sworn in as one of the first chaplains to the city of Cambridge Police Department. And then in 2013, purchased an additional church on Magazine Street. There have been so many things that have happened over the years. I think one of the other remarkable accomplishments of the church is the first to conduct outdoor services on the steps of City Hall. I grew up in Cambridge, so I know what a remarkable moment that had to be for your church to have a service on the steps of City Hall. And I remember, Bishop, you you were texting me and Jonathan pictures as it was happening, and we were rejoicing with you. Yes, these accomplishments are by the grace of God, but let's not, uh, let's not miss the point here. It's because uncommon leadership is in your midst, and you as a congregation are uncommon people to follow the leadership. It's rare. It's remarkable. It's unusual what's going on at Pentecostal Tabernacle. Let me ask you a question. What is it going to take for PT to fully walk into what God has prepared for you? You may say, Verna, you just read a list of stuff that we've accomplished. What else is there to do? Oh, church, you're only just beginning. Yes, you began in 1927, but for now, for this season, for this generation, you have only just begun. So what's it going to take for you, church, to walk out the dreams that God has put in your heart? It's going to be uncommon faith. Yes, uncommon faith. We all Every single one of us must develop uncommon faith to believe and to receive all that God has prepared for us. I want to share a scripture with you in Amos chapter 9, verses 13 to 15 in the Message Bible. It says this, yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim one thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. That's God's word for you today, PT. It won't be long now. Things are beginning to happen. Well, how is it going to happen? Again, it's going to happen through people with uncommon faith. You see, we all have an unlimited faith capacity. And how far we go with that is up to us individually. 
Romans 12, 3 tells us that every believer begins with the same measure of faith. You may look at people and say, well, they've got great faith. And, and you, you just may admire people in their faith walk. But don't miss this, church. You have the same capacity. We all start out with the same size faith muscle. But what we do with it and how we develop it is up to each one of us individually. The question is, Are we willing to do what it takes to develop our faith? I mean, how did even PT begin back in 1927? By faith? How do you get from a thought to a dream to a reality? By faith. How do you get this building and the other and the others that are to come to you? By faith. How have you renovated buildings? By faith. How are you going to take all the next steps God has for you? It's going to be by faith. When the bank says no, when people say no, when town fathers say no, how do you keep moving? You do it by faith. You know, and as I'm even talking to you like this today, that old song that that we use to birth IFC, we've come this far by faith leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. And he's never failed you, PT. He's never failed you and he never will. You see, God has just begun to write your church's story because I hear in my heart as I've been praying for you and as I've been praying uh, to share this message with you, these are the three words I keep hearing for you. So much more. So much more. God has just begun to write your story. And it's not just going to happen. All God has is available to us, but by faith. You see, faith takes all God has said and brings it out of the unseen to the seen. What is faith? I I love my husband's definition, and he's been preaching this for almost 40 years. Faith is believing God's word is true, no matter what any other information source may reveal. Believing God's word is true, no matter what any other information source may reveal. Hebrews 11.1 in the Amplified Classic says, faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for and the things we do not see. Let me say that again, Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation. It's the title deed of things we hope for, but things we do not see. It's confirmation. It's assurance. Faith is assurance. Faith is confirmation. You know, a confirmation is important because people can deny you something, but when you have a confirmation and you hold that confirmation up, They can't deny a confirmation. And the Bible says faith is that confirmation. I remember one time when Jonathan and I went uh, to Hawaii on vacation. It had been an extremely busy winter season and holiday season. And I think we got on the plane. We crawled to the plane January 1st. And we were just looking forward to a few weeks of just nothing, sunshine and nothing. 
And there was snowstorm after snowstorm. And we didn't arrive in, we left Boston. We didn't arrive in Maui until 22 hours later. I got to Liberia, Africa faster than to Maui. And we were spent. We got to the airport. We had about a 30, 40 minute ride to the hotel, a beautiful resort that we always like to stay at there. And when we got there, I just plumped myself in the lobby while Jonathan was checking us in. And a few minutes later, and he come back and he said, Verna, they gave our room away. And I said, what? And he said, they gave our room away because we're late. And I said, go, just go back again and just tell them it was beyond our you know, ability. We're here. They didn't send us any communication. We need our room. It was an oceanfront deluxe room that was right on the ocean. We have stayed in that room before. It was our favorite room, and I wanted that room. It was vacation. If I go on a missions trip, I'll stay anywhere and do anything. But when I go on vacation, I want what I want so I can relax. Well, about 20 minutes later, he came back and he said, no, no way. They're not budging. Well, I didn't want a room that overlooked the parking lot. I could have stayed home for that. And I didn't want a room that overlooked the mountains. I could have gone to New Hampshire for that. I wanted the Hawaii Ocean. I wanted to see the sunrise. I wanted to see the sunset. And I wanted to see that turquoise blue water. And I wanted to see the whales breach as they do all day long. I wanted my moment on vacation. So I thought, okay, I'm going. So in my bag, this was, you know, a few years ago, I had a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, it said confirmation. Confirmation, deluxe, king-size room, oceanfront. And it had the word confirmation on it, and it had the word guaranteed. And so I went up to her and I showed her the confirmation. And she said, sorry, I'm sorry, Mrs. Del Turk, I really am. We gave your room away. We have these other rooms. And I said, no, this says confirmation. It says guarantee. These are the dates. We are here. I want that room. Well, we went back and forth several times. And I just insisted. This says confirmation. This is a guarantee. I want that room. So she politely asked me to take a seat, which I did. A few minutes later, she called me back and she said, Mrs. Del Turco, your room is ready. Your oceanfront deluxe room, king room, is ready for you. Now, I don't know who they moved out of their room, and I didn't care at that moment. But I had a piece of paper that said confirmation and guarantee. And I want to remind you today, people, that you have this paper. You have the word of God that is your confirmation and your guarantee to the promises of God for you, for this corporate body, for the leadership there. Faith is confirmation. Faith is the title deed of what you hope for. And this word of God right here is your confirmation. Every promise of God in here is your guarantee. It is yes, and it is amen, and it is for you. So you remember, uncommon faith looks at the word of God as it is guaranteed and a confirmation. The title deed for what you hope for, you don't see it yet, but the word promises you, and it belongs to you. So God's plan for you is not common. Don't treat it as common. Common people cannot do uncommon things. 
And God has uncommon things for us to do. Therefore, we cannot afford to live common lives. And we need to model this to a new generation of what it means to live an uncommon life for God because life in God is truly an adventure. And I want to remind you today that the foundations of what got you here are what's going to take you all the way. There are things that you did in the beginning that you won't be able to do in the future. But there are principles and foundations that have been laid from the beginning of this church that are going to take you all the way through. And I'm going to share a couple of them with you now. Number one, give the word of God first place in your life. Make it your final authority. God's word takes first place. Not culture, not the news, not the newspaper, but God's word takes first place. It is final authority. You don't live your life and try to fit God in it. God is your life and everything else is peripheral. And you move and flow with God in seasons as he permits those things in your life. When I grew up in church, my, my parents didn't, uh, we didn't get up on Sunday morning. and my, I never heard my parents say, we feel like going to church or we don't feel like going to church or let's not. Until I left for college, I was in church every service there was because that was the culture of my home. And when you have God's word be first place in your life, that is your culture. It's the culture of your kingdom. We lay down our Italian culture here at IFC. We've got 60 some nations here. We lay down all of our cultures and we pick up the culture of the kingdom, which is the word of God. So number one, the word of God is your final authority. Number two, continually, continually feed on God's word. You say, Verna, this is so basic. This is so basic. I know it's basic. But when we miss it, it's usually because we miss it with the basics. Any sports team goes over the basics over and over and over because it's the foundation that we build on. And in this world today where there is so much of everything and so much out there in the news, on YouTube, on social media, so much noise, we've got to get our eyes and our ears back on the forever settled word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. So you want to make it your final authority. Number two, you want to feed on God's word all the time. It strengthens your faith. It's the most important thing we do in this life. Everything in life depends upon the word of God. Our very lives, our church, our family, our country, our nation depends on us walking fully out the word of God. Take it personally. Take God's word personally. It's for you. This is God's love letter to you. This is God talking to you. I heard this statement once, and I think it's a beautiful statement. And it says this, if you're going through seasons when you can't hear God's voice, read his voice. If you're in a season today and you have decisions to make, you can't hear God's voice, read God's voice. This is God talking to you anytime you want to talk with him. Number three, spend time meditating on God's word. Listen, it's not about how much you can read. It's about how much you can absorb and retain. You don't have to read 
tons of chapters every day. You don't have to read the whole Bible through two and three times a year. Of course, it's good to read it through, but the point is not just to check it off as a task. This is the living, breathing word of God. So if you take one scripture that means something to to you and you chew on that scripture every day for a week or even a month, you're going to get more and more revelation and insight and direction and clarity for your life. So it's not so much about how much you read, but how much can you absorb and how much can you retain? It's meditating on the scripture until it's engraved in your soul can change everything. It's not about volume. It's about what you retain and what you remember and what you walk out in your daily life. Number four, act on God's word. Act on God's word. James 1.22, do what he says. Do what he says. James 1.22 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Now, wait a minute. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It's telling us that we can come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, hear the word of God, and nothing ever changes. How can that be? Because the blessing is in the doing. If you keep hearing and don't obey and do what the word of God says, nothing changes. So hear the word of God. Do the word of God. There's blessing in that. There's increase in doing the word of God. Hear and do. Hear and do. Hear the word of God and do the word of God. I'm giving you things today that can make a difference in your life. You can leave church today. Uh, You can shut off your TV and go about your business and never do the things I'm telling you and nothing changes for you. Give the word of God first place in your life. Continually feed on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Number four, act on God's word. Number five, most important, pray in the spirit. Pray in your heavenly language. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who prays in an unknown tongue improves himself. Anybody out there need improvement? I do all the time. How does that come? Through the word of God and through praying in the spirit. It says, he who prays in an unknown tongue improves himself. One translation says, organizes himself. Do you find yourself a little bit unorganized? Pray in the spirit. It'll improve you and it'll organize you. Use your heavenly language. It's between you and it's between God. It's personal conversation. And as you pray in the spirit, he downloads things to you that you get questions, uh, answers to your questions. You get clarity and direction from praying in the spirit. Number six, give God praise. Continually give God praise. The fruit of your lips, the fruit of my lips, giving praise and thanks to God, our Father. The depth of your praise, the depth of my praise, determines the magnitude of our harvest. The depth of our praise determines the magnitude of our harvest. Give God praise continually. When you feel like it, he's worthy. And when you don't feel like it, he's still worthy. When everything's going great, he's worthy. And when everything's falling apart, he's still worthy. The fruit of your lips 
giving praise and thanks to God. You will be refreshed. Praying in the spirit, giving praise to God will refresh you. And if there's anything we need in this world today, we need to keep a constant flow of God's refreshing in our lives. And that happens through the word of God, through praying in the spirit, and through praising God. Uncommon faith says, I have it now. The Bible tells us faith is now. So what are you hoping for in your life that's not being seen? You know, God's idea of hope is active. A lot of times when people talk about hope, you know, you say, well, it's going to be, it's going to be a sunshine weekend. Well, I hope so. Things are going to get better. I just know things are going to get better. The market's going to turn around. Our investments are going to start going up again. Well, I hope so. You know, that's how the world talks. I hope so. Well, I hope so. Like Eeyore, you know, I hope so. That's not God's definition of hope. The Bible definition of hope is earnest expectation. Earnest expectation. It's living life, sitting on the edge of your seat. It's earnest expectation. And that's the hope that gives birth to your faith earnest expectation. What if, PT, you all came to church with earnest expectation? What if, PT, you all gave your tithes and offerings with earnest expectation? What if, PT, when you all gathered to pray individually or corporately, you had earnest expectation, expecting God to show up, expecting the supernatural intervention of God in your lives and in your church. We hope so. Well, I hope so. That is not God's idea of hope. It's living life at the edge of your seat. It's active. It's earnest expectation. Hope says, I might have it someday. I might have it someday. That's some people's uh, way of talking about hope. Maybe someday I'll be delivered from pain. And maybe someday my finances will get together. Maybe someday I'll get married. Maybe someday things will turn around. No. When you use the Bible hope, earnest expectation, it will give birth to the God kind of faith. The God kind of hope, which is earnest expectation, will give birth to the God kind of faith. And that's when you get to live an uncommon, rare, unusual kind of life. The other thing about uncommon faith, it says if God's word says it, then it's so. Uncommon faith says I see it now. I take it now. I have it now. Uncommon faith is never passive. It never takes no for an answer. It never backs up, backs down, or quits. Uncommon faith never quits. If you're in the church today, building today, would you stand up at this moment as I share with you one of my last points? Uncommon faith is like a bulldog. Bulldog faith. Bulldogs are a breed of dog that's known for their remarkable ferocity. They're tenacious animals. They're not the best looking animals, but they're full of courage and tenacity. 
and their grip is very uncommon. They're aggressive. Bulldogs are persistent. They're determined and they're tenacious. When a bulldog locks its jaw onto something, there's a shift that happens and it is locked down and there's no getting back whatever is in that dog's mouth. It will not let go. It will not unlock its jaw. It'll stand its ground and wear you out. This is the type of faith that we're supposed to walk in. Uncommon faith that's like a bulldog. You lock your faith jaws on the promises of God. You be ferocious and you be tenacious and you hold the word up to God and say, God, you're watching over your word to perform it in our lives and in this church. And we're not letting go until we see what you have promised come to pass. Lock your jaw on the promises of God and don't let go. Lock in by faith and don't let go. Back to Amos 9, verses 13 to 15. Yes, indeed, it won't be long, PT. This is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings upon blessings, like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this wonderful congregation. First, I pray for Bishop Green and Lady Carmen. Thank you, Father, for the uncommon faith that they walk in. Thank you, Lord, that they have given themselves to the work of God and to the people of God and to the plan of God for this city. I speak blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon them and their children and their children's children to a thousand generations. Father, I speak health, prosperity, peace, joy, all the promises of God being manifest in their bodies, in their church, in their home, in their family, and in their lives. And Father, I thank you. There is so much more for these people. So much more. And Father, as we come out of this season uh, of the pandemic where people have had a lockdown mentality and a comfort mentality, Father, I pray that this congregation will break forth and break out of the comfortable and get into uncommon faith so they can move forward and step into the so much more. I speak blessing over them in the name of Jesus and thank you that their latter days will be greater than their former as they get ready to obey you with all that's within them and run with the vision you have given them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I have a couple of words of a song I want to leave to you that I just heard recently and it's called You Hold It All Together. It says, God of my present, God of my future, you write my story and you hold it all together. PT, God's continuing 
to write your story and he's going to hold it all together in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you all. Praise the Lord, PT. Can we just continue to worship God and thank God for the word that Pastor Verna Del Turco has released over us this morning saying that God is going to bring us into things suddenly, that things are just going to happen miraculously as we operate in faith. So I just want everyone to continue to open up your mouth and let's just worship God and let's activate our faith this morning. Even when we don't see it, God has told us to do certain things and we may not feel it, we may not see it, but God sits in the praises of his people and it's his faith that's within us that will motivate us and push us forth to do exactly what he's called us to do. God would not ask you to do something if he did not qualify you to do it. He would not ask you to do something if he was not going to provide for you to do it. So Father, we thank you and we bless you, oh God. We pray, Lord God, that we would trust you, God, that we would hold you by your word, oh God, that we would know that you would never fail us, oh God, that you have chosen us and called us, Jesus. In your word, you told the disciples that you did not choose me, but I chose you. And so, Father, we thank you for choosing us. Thank you for equipping us. And thank you that you're going to do the good work, that you began it and you're going to continue it, oh God. That you fulfill everything, every promise, oh God. David said, Lord God, that you will not abandon the works of your hands. And Father, as we move forth in faith, my prayers is that we would see your miracles. Father, in the book of Acts, it said every time that the apostles went to preach the word of God, the Lord worked in mighty miracles, that you are the one doing it through us, God. I pray that we would continue to partner with you, Lord, and continue to bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're giving strength to those who are weary this morning, God. Those, oh God, who just wanted to throw in the towel because of the word of the Lord. May they be strengthened to try and to trust you again, Lord. We thank you and we praise your holy name, God. Father, those who don't know you and that are watching right now or be watching on rebroadcast, Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would encounter them right now. I thank you, Lord God, that miracles are hitting their households right now and all PT family and PT global right now, God and that you would soften their hearts to receive you. Father, I thank you that all they have to do is confess that you are Lord. Know that they are forgiven. Know that you desire to remove all shame from their life. So we thank you, Lord God. All you have to do is say, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me, I repent. Change my heart. That's all repentance means, It's change my heart. Come into my life. I believe you died, I believe you rose and I give my life to you. Father, we thank you for healing and deliverance that's in every household this morning. And we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name. PT, I would love to bless you with this benediction. The Lord told me that he wanted me to bless you with his power of peace. So Philippians chapter four, verse six. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Peace to know that God loves you and that God is for you. Peace to know that God will provide for you. Peace to know that God is a restorer and a repairer of broken marriages and relationships. That he is a mender of all things that are broken. 
And he's the one that brings things back together. And he is God, your restitution. And he's the one that's going to repay to you everything that the enemy has stolen from you and this pandemic. Peace to know that things will change and that God is going to cause all things to work out for your good. Peace to know that you are favored because you are his child. Peace to know and to be still that he is God and that he never changes. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, and I bless you with this scripture, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, may you abound in every good work as you continue to live and be uncommon and move in the miracles of God. God bless you, PT. We love you. We thank you for joining us today. Be encouraged. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hey.